Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to... Hey, great shot. You're listening to part three of our GSP Best of the Decade conversation, looking at the next-gen ATP players and how they performed during the 2010s with the New York Times' Ben Rothenberg. In part one of our conversation, we broke down the tier one next-gen guys, those players we would be shocked if they left the 2020s without a Grand Slam for us. Those players were Zverev, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, FAA, Yannick Sinner in his case, and I may be missing one at this point. It's been so long. I apologize, listeners. Um, In part two, we talked about the tier two players, those players. We wouldn't be shocked uh, if they left without a slam. But, you know, we think these are guys that can certainly compete over the next 10 years. And if things break right from the draws to their health, these are guys uh, in tier two who we could think also could win a grand slam during the 2020s. And, of course, the hold that the big three, big four have on slam titles, it'll break eventually, right? These guys have to retire. If the big three dominate the 2020s, I feel like tennis as a sport, something may have gone wrong. So this conversation, this whole exercise, extremely fun. And of course, when we have Ben Rothenberg of the New York Times on the podcast, we can't let him leave without having a little bit of fun. As you listeners on tennis Twitter know, his best of the decade, most, uh, not the best players, but their top 10 most impactful players that him and Courtney Nguyen, who of course, the fantastic WTA insider did on their podcast, No Challenges Remaining. It's caused quite a stir. And I mean, that's why they pay them both the big bucks. Those are two of the best in the business. So again, whenever we can have one of them on, it's always so much fun for us. And when we have them, we have to have a little fun. So in part three of our conversation with Ben, uh, we ask not only where, you know, his, uh, an interview he did that obviously was a big moment, uh, his interview with Nick Curious, where Nick fits in on this list. Actually, that might have been the end of part two. I honestly don't remember at this point. But other fun superlatives as well, things like who was the most entertaining to watch, what's the best rivalry, uh, you know, all of those fun who's the best social media presence, the most likely to make the jump to uh, the broadcasting booth, all of those other things that we will come to see from this next-gen cohort as they mature over the next 10 years. So it's a really fun conversation, obviously, for you listeners. We are right near that new year, so this decade truly almost over, and we're happy to get this part three out to you now, wherever you may be. Hopefully, you're all enjoying vacations, whether it's in the Bahamas, Belize, you know, all the Caymans, wherever it is, you know, you're like these players, you like to park your money there during the offseason and wherever it is you like to do. Sorry, that was an unnecessary shot. Uh, but whatever it is you like to do during your free time, hopefully you will enjoy listening to this part three as well. So with that in mind, here is my third part of our conversation on the Next Gen ATP Guys with the one and only Ben Rothenberg. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 
uh, to quote, I don't even know the artist, but I would say, Ben, it's time to get funky, funky, funky. So let's go to our honorable mentions. Um, <laughs> no idea what artist that is. Um, uh, yeah, all right. But uh, you know the song, slide to the left, boom, slide to the right. Doom. Oh, like Cha Cha Slide. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, sure. Um, isn't that how it several starts? other line dance songs? Uh, maybe <laughs> you know. I don't. I don't pay attention to the beginning. I'll be if I'm being honest. Um, uh, all right, honorable mentions. Is that what we're doing now? Yes. Yeah, so again, these are guys who didn't quite qualify for tier one or tier two, but names we still want to throw out there. So these are not for me. These are like there's a bigger gap, and these are just sort of guys mm-hmm. who I would keep an eye on in 2020 for various 2020 for various reasons. Uh, first one, a guy who I've seen, I haven't watched that much junior tennis, honestly, in the last couple of years, so I'm not that good at my juniors, but I tried to skew these really young. Um, so first one who made two slam finals on hard courts this year is, uh, Emilio Nava, mm. who, uh, I want to, again, going young, so he was sort of had the best, and it was a pretty strong year overall for American junior boys at slams, um. But Nava is somebody you know, backing it up at the U.S. Open also, even if he didn't win either final. His final against uh, Musetti, who would also maybe be another honorable mention for me, uh, in Australia was really high quality. And just he, his sort of like his spirit talking to him afterwards, he was one of the most like delightful people, for lack of a better word, who I had dealt with in 2019. So I really liked Emilio. Um, comes from a, a good tennis family. Obviously, people might not know him, but he's cousins with Ernesto Escobedo, first cousins. So they grew up together a lot and uh yeah i I, i'm high on on nava for sure um do you want to read the rest of mine yeah i I like that pick by the way my equivalent to that would be jason sung who uh was did it the year before uh but who Mm -hmm. i got the chance to see play in vermont in person and just i mean i've seen him on the challenger circuit i think he's top 400 already he's like a young nine i think he's still 18 really talented player yeah totally um this is a purely hair pick uh jj wolf i think that (laughs) He's got some really interesting things to offer on the uh, on the uh, follicular front, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing his particular sort of style. I've only seen him from afar, never spoken to him, do not know much about him, um, but I'm intrigued by what limited glimpses I've had of, of the wolf, and uh, I want to see him more in the 2020s, so he's just somebody that I will have. I'll be on wolf watch for sure. Uh, hopefully he makes it into uh, tour events next year. Uh, another honorable mention I've seen none of, but just like on the sort of physical gift sort of side of thing. Uh, super impressed by Martin Dam. Dom, Dam. I'm not sure how we're going to consensus I think it's Dam. Dam. Let's go with Dam. Uh, D-A-M-M. He is, yeah, one of these, like there's several. There's a huge, he's my representative pick for the sort of Czech American wave that's taken <laughs> over. Uh, boys tennis with Dam, Kodat, and uh, uh, Korda all in the mix there so he's somebody you know just he's again sort of a little bit like opelka but completely unproven so far and then uh at the pro level anyway and then my last one is uh jack draper Ooh, it's my lone non-american pick in here uh, i've seen him a few times like what i've seen he has this like really like i don't know how to describe it it's like really like 80s movie villain energy to him which i appreciate he's like super <laughs> swaggery just like walks around like he owns the school you know i mean he was clearly uh, the biggest like, kid in his grade always yeah no for sure uh and so just seeing him seeing him at wimbledon uh, a couple times and I, I think i watched a little bit of his win over jack sock uh in the fall as i was on, I was on sock ranking watch um <laughs> 
yeah, I, I think that that Draper's uh, going to be a, a big personality in the uh, 2020s. So yeah. for that alone, and some very brief prompt. Those are people basically who I have, my way of doing this list, but people who have limited to no data on, who I've never seen play an ATP match for the most part, but who uh, intrigue me. Yeah, I like it. I, I like all of those names, uh, as a couple of them were in mine as well. I, I'm going to run you through mine. You can just say yes or no. Um, sound okay. good? All right. Hyun Chung. No, what am I saying yes or no to? What, to, what is the question? To, would you laugh me out of the room if I said he's going to win a slam by 2030? Uh, not to your face, but <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, semi-finalist. I, I need, I know, but like, it's been a long time since then. And, it's true. And he was not great after that. And he's been injured and stuff. I, I hope well for him, but I'm not going to, I'm not buying chung stock currently now that's fair all right one guy whose stock certainly at a lower price than it was in 2017 born a church are you out on that oh um yeah church would have been eligible for this whole next gen thing wouldn't he um yeah uh no i know it's, not, i mean it's somebody tough. who i think will be in the mix and be a top 20 player for a long time but not somebody who i see um it, it again judging unfairly the snap judgments no, <laughs> it was between him and Dimenauer for me for my final tier two spots, and I went with Dimenauer over him. Although begrudgingly, oh really? Because you were like, because you were so into Dimenauer, I thought Dimenauer was like your best tier. Well, two. I love no, I, I love Chorch too. Is the thing he he's one of those guys who have a soft spot. Who I I thought I could only make a case for one of them without again you laughing to my face. Um, so I was like, ah, I'm gonna go with Dimenauer. I don't. I mean, look, I I picked Bublik and Popper in, so I'm not laughing <laughs> anybody. I'm fine. I don't know the Alexi Pop. No, yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, all right, you mentioned her catch. He was in here for me. What about the Kess man, Miomir Kessmanovic? I again a little bit TBD. I think he's definitely got the game to be a very solid tour player for a long time. Um, but in terms of like really like really being like elite, you know, Joe Flacco elite level kind of guy, I'm I, I have not seen enough to be swayed that way yet. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Christian Guerin, what he did on the clay, really special this year. Yeah, I like Guerin a lot. Um, although Guerin did get absolutely clobbered by Vavrinka, I want to say, mm-hmm. in the second round French Open, um, after beating Opelka first round. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Guerin. Um, I think he'll be a solid clay guy for sure, make some French quarters and stuff. Beyond that, I'm not sure. All right, last three, I swear. Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, yes or no? I, I I don't have an answer for this one. I have not seen him play more than, like, once. Yeah. So, But that's um, why I was intrigued. I, I, it's I like the know. center factor, but to the lowest level. I was like, the three times I yeah. saw him, I was like, this guy can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also kind of has the same 80s villain thing going for him. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah... Uh, I don't know. I I I I'm just gonna respect your pick and make no judgment. Uh, I'm leaning no, but undecided. Yeah. Right, name wise, just because I love him, and again, very very limited limited sample size. The Svita man, Zachary Svita, Kalamazoo champion, five set first round loss at the U.S. Open. Oh yeah, I've not seen much of him at all, but I did notice him when I was searching through my my files of the uh, youngest people in the ATP rankings. Um. Uh, again, I I don't know. I've seen him once. I, I 
let's say I feel bad saying no to this kid's hopes and dreams with no with no basis. But um, is he Czech too? Maybe. I, who knows? The 2030s could be his decade. Svida. Uh, yeah, he's too young. I, 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 Svida sounds like it could be a Czech name, but I don't know. Last one because I refuse I to give up on him. Stefan Kozlov. Any hope left for you? So, I mean, I will mention Kozlov. I'll say this when we get to our, like, other awards because he's – I haven't picked for one. <laughs> I think we haven't picked for the same category. Um, okay. Well, then, with that in mind, you mentioned our last awards. That's the final thing I want to do in lieu of the usual rapid fire. Uh, we like to run guests through at the end of these podcasts. I came up with some superlative questions to put a final bow on these next-gen players uh, for their 2010s decade. With that in mind, Ben, you ready to rock and roll? Let's go. All right, Westoff, give me a superlative sound effect, please. Um, all right, again, these are, are going to range from random categories, and for both of us, it's going to be top of the head. So most disappointing next-gen player for you thus far. So this one is Kozlov, but I think that Kozlov, Stefan Kozlov, like, I, again, like, he's 21. I just looked this mm-hmm. up today to make sure. Like, he's so young, and so I feel disappointing feels like such a verdict for someone whose career is still presumably in the very early stages. So he's somebody who I still have high hopes for, who like who I still have, let's say, disappointing in the sense that I still have hopes for him that are higher than what his ranking would, especially now, would lead to believe. Um, I, I, I really liked your comparison between him and Medvedev. I had never compared those two, but they make a lot of sense together. And maybe that's somebody who can Kozlov can sort of, uh, you know, put himself on the same level with, because he's this very similar tennis iq super high so mm-hmm. for the good of the game and for the good of sort of like people who like watching junk ball played well which i am one of um yeah i would put kozlov as big hopes and the other one again disappointing is again a hard hard way to do this but i also um am outwardly fully in the tank for uh ducky lee mm-hmm. um who is still you know is still only 21 also i think and he um, got up to like 135 or 136 in the world in 2017, early 2017. Um, but has really slipped since then. Um, he's in the 250s-ish now. Um, and I would love to see him get back and get into towards top 100. Not to be a you know slam champ necessarily, but just to be in the mix. I think his story is so great and would be, have such a positive, massive effect. And even just him winning... That one first round match in Winston Salem this year was a massive story that got a lot of uh, outside the sport coverage. It's easy to relate to and, and very cool. So I'm definitely pulling for Ducky to uh, have a good decade. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with both of those things. Uh, for Kozlov, uh, there's also, you know, the Medvedev. He falls into the Medvedev, another guy I would say, is the Bernard Tomic zone, where it's just there's. Because mm-hmm. they see the game so differently, so far, you know, they're six steps ahead of everyone else. And, you know, that it's maybe a bit of hyperbole, but it really, Stefan Kozlov, the feel he has for the game, watch him play. It's different from everyone else. Um, but sometimes that gets in your head. You just overthink things. And you can see for Kozlov beyond health issues that he's had, uh, it's just a lot of different things. The forehand changes form every so often. Uh, he'll mix in too many slices when, or then he'll just start hitting through things he shouldn't. And you can just see moving forward when he shouldn't. It's it's really hard to put you know a comprehensive game plan together when you have that many skills. Uh, another guy I would briefly throw in here is Ernesto Escobedo, who just his firepower. He's another one of those guys who you just it's it's the eye test and then the ear test where you're just like that's a different sound than I'm used to. And the firepower he showed when he broke through, I think it was early 2017, maybe early 2018 when he really got through the top 100. Um, 
I was just like, oh, man, like this guy's got the weapons. And then it's been a topsy-turvy year and a half with injuries uh, well-documented as well. But I really thought he would have a foothold alongside the Fritz, Opelka, you know, Tiafo, Tommy Paul cohort. Uh, the other one I would mention in this group maybe is just someone who I who fell off the kind of face of the tour is uh, who's, who's in this demographic. How we're defining it is uh, Jared Donaldson. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, yeah, who I you know went kind of awol and you know had surge. I guess it's on the entry list for Australia. I think so. That's positive. Um, using protected ranking to try to get main draw. Mm-hmm. He's on the cusp for that. Uh, so yeah, so he's somebody else who uh, I'll be I'll be curious watching with some uh, curious apprehension in twenty twenty. There's a guy who might be a year older, and we're just getting in all of our grievances. But Gianluigi Quinzi, uh, Quinzi. I think the Italian, I was, like, so sure I saw this guy, this hulking guy, and I was like, this guy's going to be a stud. And I don't know what happened. Just didn't see it. Yep. Yeah, you know what happens. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. What you're saying, you know, you kept mentioning, like, junior slam pedigrees yeah. as, like, a thing. people. But, like, uh, a lot of times they don't they don't buy you much in, on this tour. They that's really true. That's why they were the last thing. I was like, and on top of all the actual stuff they've done, they also did this in the past. So you're like, okay. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. For every you know, junior slam champion Andy Roddick, there's junior slam champion Jack Sock. Um, so it, it balances. Oh, Jack Sock is not the worst junior slam. Yeah. Champion, <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. Not think even of close. Them. Not even close. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a cheap shot. But, all right, we mentioned a bunch of guys uh, already, but is there one guy we haven't mentioned who's under the age, you know, 1996 or later, that you think listeners should keep an eye out, or do we hit everyone? Well, I mentioned him very briefly, but I'll give another shout-out to uh, Lorenzo Musetti, mm-hmm. who's uh, Italian, uh, won junior Australia this year. Um, I was, yeah, I, I watched that match with Nava. It was pretty good. Uh, he's really, really nice hair again, which I keep bringing up. But, um <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to like with him, and uh, I saw a little bit. I think I saw him in Rome. I want to say, I think I just saw him walking around. I don't think I actually saw him playing tennis, but I was like, oh, I recognize you. And so that was that was validation to me that he still existed <laughs> four months later. Um, so yeah, so Musetti is my other sort of person to watch, and this what is going to be this could be a very Italian decade of men's tennis, the mm-hmm. 2020s. Crazy. Uh, they are, they could be absolutely the country to watch. It's both, they're going to host the, the World Tour Finals. They're going to. You know, I don't know. I guess next year will probably still keep going. They're going to win 33 Grand Slams with Yannick Sinner, maybe a couple more Berrettini. It's going to be great. Yeah, no, without question. Um, I would say the other one I want to mention is Rudolf Melliker. I don't think I, I definitely butchered that, but the young German who— Not that badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's just— Melliker. Melliker. He's just— always been around like he's just a name i've seen repeatedly on lists over these past three years we've been doing this podcast and i haven't seen enough of him to to really have a firm opinion but i'm curious i mean i think he's still 19 uh he's top 300 just a guy i'm gonna be watching um but all right and speaking of watching we've watched a lot of these guys your favorite of the next gen cohort to watch um i i think i will pick bublik for this <laughs> uh, is a is appointment TV. He's, he's wild. Sinner, I mean, he, he's number one, just sort of the crazy factor. But you know, I like watching a lot of them just for tennis. The Sinner, Ducky again, Kozlov. I mean, a lot of them. I, th- I think there's like a very, very aesthetically pleasing uh, generation, which it was, you know, last time too for the most part. Um, there does seem to be a, a fair amount of flair in a lot of these guys who are coming through, which is exciting. And I think you know you can attribute that to. I mean, these are guys who had time 
to be inspired by and model their games after, you know, Federer, after uh, Nadal, if you want. Not that many people clearly pick that path, per se, visibly. But Federer, at least, just even if you don't have strokes exactly like him, his sort of, like, photogenic kind of tennis that he plays, I think that even that just kind of translates as, a, as an ethos without even people having direct stroke production copies. So. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a fun a pretty to watch generation tennis wise yeah. overall. We mentioned uh, we yeah. we mentioned the fun of watching Medvedev uh, because he does things so differently. The only yeah. two I would add would be Alex Zverev is just not only you know a very handsome guy himself, but just everything he does on the tennis court it looks beautiful. You you watch him especially in person and you're just like oh like I see like yeah. this it's just different so. Um, he would be up there. And then Alex Dimenauer, because I mentioned this when we talked about him, embodiment of no quit. I mean, the guy, if you want to see someone giving 130% on the court, that's the guy. To, you're never going to come away thinking, oh, Alex Dimenauer didn't give it his all this match. Um, so You and these Alexes, man, my God. <laughs> also Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, because I wish I was Spanish. Yeah. Um, but that's just... And, Ale- and, and Alex Paparin, you know, sure, why not? Uh, no, because he's an Alexi, and we don't associate with those. Um, no, I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh, so, all right, now, now you've thrown me off. I'm thinking about all these guys to watch. They're all great to watch, but it's even more enjoyable when we get to see two of them on the court together. And you're, so my question, you favorite next-gen rivalry? Uh, favorite next-gen rivalry is, at this point, just because I've seen it a lot and it, it amuses me, Sitsipas Zverev, because uh, they just seem to annoy each other <laughs> in this way that I think is really crucial for a rivalry. Like, you know, I do think tennis does need uh, a little more salt in the recipe in in this, you know, in the 2020s. Uh, I think it's been a little bit one flavor sometimes with the era, the Federer era of good feeling and the all era of good feeling too. Um, and so as these younger guys come up and, are, and young players love broad strokes, but love curios, I'm hoping there's uh, some considerable, um, some considerable, uh, whatever the, you know, spice for lack of a better word, yeah. some, some flavor to some of these things. And and so that's the one of the best established ones that I know. Um, Sitsipas Medvedev just feels kind of weirder than that, but Sitsipas Varev, I think it's good on court and, and off, and they, they play good tennis. Yeah, so uh, that's my pick. No, the, those are both really good ones. I mean, Tsitsipas obviously brings out some animosity for, of his opponent, it seems, of these next-gen guys in particular. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I always liked when Zverev and uh, Chorich would go head-to-head. I know they haven't played that many times, but those were the two young guys at the beginning uh, in Chorich. The match that comes to mind was the, I think they played 2017 U.S. Open, like, third round, and Chorich beat them, and Zverev was the seed. And yeah, Chorich second was, round, I think, yeah. Yeah, and Chorich was playing really well in that match. I just I just remember that just the way they match up, the physicality of the tennis can be really enjoyable. Um, and then... I, you know, I'll watch FAA Shapovalov as well because the dynamic of the friendship, but then also these are two of the most, you know, talented young guys on tour. I think it's, it often, I mean, so far it's been duds, but I like it in theory. I'm willing to keep giving it chances. And then I kind of wonder, like, with Sinner, if he's going to let these guys beat him the first time to be nice, or are we just going to completely <laughs> demolish everyone from jump well, I mean, in 2020 and never let them get a chance? I mean, at the next-gen finals, he seemed to uh, be leaving a little tease that that seems to be the way he wants to go. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see how, like, guys, like, we haven't mentioned him much today at all, but, like, guys like a Tiafo mm-hmm. like, respond to, like, Sinner, who beat him a couple times this fall, mm-hmm. um, and how, you know, how people react in their 
no longer the new kid on the block. There's somebody younger than them coming up. Like how they'll how they'll be, how they'll respond to that could be interesting. Yeah, Taylor Fritz is another guy too. Uh, speaking of the Americans, I just Taylor Fritz actually. I should mention in my sort of uh, honorable like mention faves to watch. Might, uh, honorable mention, yes, but I didn't. I didn't go that direction. Mm-hmm. If it was, I was doing honorable mention. It's like the way you were sort of like could mm-hmm. win a slam. Like yes, Fritz would be in that list for me. <laughs> but also just in the in the like to watch list. Like I just mm-hmm. find his tennis super aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so be- he just very, talk about a natural, very, very classic player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of the birdage of this generation. Yeah, the way. ball striking is just so beautiful. I agree. Totally. Um, all right, now we'll do some off court stuff. Uh, most likely to pursue a career in media after tennis. Which one of these guys is the first into the booth? Well, I looked up to make sure he was eligible age-wise, and it's definitely Noah Rubin. I mean, Noah Rubin's already doing this in while he's still playing, so he's definitely 1,000% the pick. Um, yeah. You know, Sitsipas is kind of the cuter pick because he has his, his vlogging and stuff, but no, Rubin is the pick. Yeah, that, great answer. No no uh, follow-up to you. They're most likely to block you by 2030. Uh, well, thank you for thinking that none of them have blocked me already. Um, <laughs> but let's see. Uh, actually, they haven't. I was thinking of the group. I don't think any of them have blocked me, so good for the kids. Uh, I have no idea. It can be some— it, I mean, It's Sinner. It's players, Sinner the, because— the players who, when the turn happens, when you How inevitably turn, you. yeah, when you inevitably turn on him, let's say he goes through a dying his hair phase, or just like you know he <laughs> he has like a first wow. round loss, God forbid, you're turning on him so fast. Yeah, no, no, that's not happening. Uh, <laughs> how dare you? Uh, I I think that um, I pick someone arbitrary. Kozlov after know. this pod coming after us. No, what what would I say? Anything bad about Kozlov? Yeah. I, I I think Kozlov is wonderful. Um, let me scroll here. No, none of none of these people have actually ever blocked me. Um, I've been blocked probably by like five or six players. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly ones who search their names on Twitter, uh, <laughs> I, and then and then find some like inoffensive thing and get offended by it. But uh, this is my yeah, five or six actually high. Not that not that many. No, this is my excuse to just bring I up the fact name. I've been blocked by one player. I don't understand why. I never understood why. But Riley Opelka blocked me. And actually, look, I say this lovingly, Riley, oh, because now I would love the chance to get to interview him again on the Cracked Interviews podcast. But of all of the podcasts we've done in our three years, that's definitely the one I want back. And I just think he wasn't into my sense of humor. I just think he was like, uh, like, who does this kid think he is? Which is fine. Did he block you immediately after the podcast? He no. Was like, hang up and block. No, it that'd was. Be, that'd be, that'd that's what I'm saying. It was like four months later, and I like went to scroll, and I was blocked. And I was like, how could you block? I was like, I I was flattered to be honest. I was like, I can't believe you were like, this is the guy. I need to block and I don't even think I said anything mean if anything I keep putting him in these lists out of a desire to have approval from him but like just block <laughs> block block well, I'm sorry to hear that for you um, <laughs> is who who is the, okay, I'm trying to think I don't think he blocked me but who is this I know he's talked crap about me on Twitter who is the guy who uh, spit in his hand in the handshake oh <laughs> Patrick Kipson yeah, I think Kipson is my most likely to block me pick. <laughs> I'm going to put Courtney on that list. I think she's most likely to block you by the end of this year. Um, oh, very possible. <laughs> for sure. No, but I, now that I have a – yeah, Kipson's actually a very confident pick for me. That's, that's hilarious. All right, uh, last social media. Your favorite follow of this group because there really are a lot of unique personalities. Well, this is awkward because you don't get to, but it's probably Opelka because <laughs> um, I, I – I, 
I, I like I said, I've really enjoyed how Opelka has sort of spoken out about all this like ATP Cup rules and as being someone who's outspoken on Twitter. A little too much is going a little bit kind of the name search route, uh, which I don't like to see because it just leads nowhere good. But um, yeah, I, I think that uh, Opelka and his and I, I have not really spoken to him much at all since he became a, a tour player. We just for some reason have been kind of like never on the same page in terms of when he's doing well and I'm at a tournament or vice versa or when you know he wins a match and I'm available to go to a press conference. So I have not spoken to him in probably a couple of years. Um, I actually watched the uh, um, Fritz Tommy Paul. Uh, we mentioned Tommy Paul at all here. Uh, Fritz Tommy Paul uh, French Open final with Abelka. Uh, 2017? Or sorry, yeah, 15? 15? So. 15. That long ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched that with him and it was a fun way to be a third wheel in their whole sort of crew. Four, I was the fourth, well, he was the third wheel. I was like the fourth, or not even the fourth. I was a spare tire in the trunk. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, his outspokenness and his sort of willingness to engage, I hope he keeps that up. He, Fritz does the same kind of thing too. And that's one area where I see younger guys hopefully following Kyrgios' lead a little bit and um, being a little bit more outspoken wild cardish because there's so many really sterile social media accounts that are just no fun for anybody. So I, I want people to keep it loose and sloppy and dangerous in the 2020s. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't really Who's have... Your pick? Who's your pick for a social media follow? Uh, so Tsitsipas is way too easy. And because of that, it, like, because people like his oh, social yeah, media... Oh, yeah, Tsitsipas is easy. No, but because people like, like it... it? No, I, I mean, I've grown I to like hate it. it. But, I don't, but, people, but people like it is a broad statement. I like it. I have he's one of the few players who I actually have like push notifications on for his tweets because they just <laughs> they, they inspire my day. Um, and they often get deleted too. Um, <laughs> so that's 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 the that's the key double reason to have him. Um, no, I, I think Sitsavas' whole output is is beautiful and wild and uh, will leave a lot for archaeologists to sort through someday. Yeah. Um I mean Kyrios does isn't necessarily next gen, but since we talked about him I, I, I don't hate the troll. I don't like it. Um, but there are times when I enjoy it. Kokonakis can be funny, although he can also be an asshole. So it's sometimes it's a little close. Um, man, who is my favorite? You know who I really like, I actually have to say, is Hyun Chung. Because there's never anything, not, you know, everything's joyful. Everything's like, hey, I'm back on the court. Or, hey, look at this disgusting blister. And it's like, no matter what, <laughs> it's good content. And I'm just, I, I've never been disappointed. Uh, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I, I, I think Chapo at his, at his peak. That's fair. When Chapo no, was doing sunscreen his gate, Rob, his sunscreen gate he lost me after the sunscreen thing. I was just like, this is, cr- you're going to see this in five years and be like, what was I thinking? I loved that. Are you kidding me? I thought that was so great. I love people who commit to the bit, and I thought that was spectacular. Uh, I really, really liked that. Oh, sorry. One more, one more rivalry. I know you said it's not like um, only half of them are technically next gen because you've mentioned him several times. I'll throw in Kyrgios. Kyrgios, rude man. That'd be mm. a fun first round French Open. I want them to settle it. Unfinished business from Rome. Uh, Rude, I think people glossed over this part of it, but Rude went real hard at Kyrgios afterwards uh, in terms of like saying what his penalty for, should be for that default, mm-hmm. um, and that's and that really I think sort of cemented whatever bad blood there is. And, and Rude also is a Nadal Academy protege, which I think puts him on that kind of like a Nadal team and B just like general old school tennis team. 
Um, and so I think that he's an interesting uh, next gen we haven't mentioned it at all uh, to put up against uh, yeah. Kyrgios. That's some, that's some a really violence. good one. And social media wise, the rude awakening puns make themselves. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in on that rude Kyrgios uh, matchup. But uh, so I mean. They've only played once, and it wasn't that great tennis. But in terms of favorite next-gen match of the 2010s, I think Medvedev-Nadal goes without saying uh, because that was a five-set Grand Slam final. But if there is one you know, next-gen match that stands out to you from this decade as your favorite, which would you pick? Uh, again, I, don't, I think that that match finished really well. I don't think the beginning of that, that Medvedev-Nadal match, I'm not even sure it's my pick. Um, I would probably—I mean— if we're, okay, it only has to be half next gen. We're saying uh, it can be um, it can be either way. We're we're an hour forty seven in, so you get to pick. Yeah, I think that I liked of of that group. I think I liked Tsitsipas's, uh Well, I, actually, I really liked um, Chapo Nadal. That was like, oh, in Canada. That was a good one. The uh, semi when Chapo was making his breakout. That was like yeah. no, no, no. It was like third round when Chapo. When Chapo oh, he beat um, him. Beat, when he beat him yeah. and it was like his like star turn that was like one of like the very few that like was wow match. young kid is doing something that was like an electric atmosphere really high quality match i think it was a third set tie break i think mm-hmm. um yeah that was a super good match that's like one of the ones that jumps out at me for sure um center bolt from wimbledon qualities this year was amazing <laughs> chung Djokovic. Uh, uh that what was that fourth round third round that was yeah it was okay it was not bad uh, it's not it was like straight sets but it was it was okay um Long straight sets. Um, yeah, oh, Demon Hour against uh, Demon Hour against Chilich. U.S. Open was also really good. That's a good one. Chapeau Monfils was really good. Um, Where? Which one I was think that? that was the U.S. Open. Was that this year? Five sets. Um, I think that it sounds was. right. Yeah. I don't remember. I thought Chapeau lost to Anderson. Maybe I mean, that was two years ago. Yeah, something like that. That might have been two. Yeah, um, but that was a good one. I'm trying to think my other nominees. I mean, Zverev's played so many relevant matches. I'm trying to think the best, the most I enjoyed watching an Alex Zverev match in terms of a win. I mean, when he beat Djokovic 2017 Italian Open, he just played so well. Or maybe, actually, mm-hmm. ooh, what about the medvedev Kyrgios, uh City Open final? I mean, that was a crazy match this year. Was it? I mean, Three that match sets? wasn't that good. There were like no, there. Were, yeah, there were, like, short points. No it, no, it was. It was. It was two sets that match, but it was like six and six. Um, yeah, it was six and six, and there were like That's no almost. break points. It yeah. was not. It was eh, not a great match in my memory. That's... It was like high quality, but there was not a lot of like good tension in it. Yeah, that may be fair. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of good ones, and hopefully, again, we'll be treated to see these players play one another over the Sit, course of the next. Sitsipas Kyrgios, though, U.S. Uh, Washington, that was good. Yeah, that was high quality tennis. All right, last two questions, and we've sort of alluded to them all podcast long, but the last serious ones: which slash how many of these guys will have Grand Slam singles titles by 2030? Give me your predictions. I'm putting you out, and you know everyone's gonna you know remember this come 2030. Yeah. I'll say I'll say eight. Eight. I like you want to just throw names out there? No. <laughs> no I'm just gonna say eight. <laughs> That's funny. Um I'm gonna stick with ten. I, I think every guy we've or eleven, sorry, I think every guy on my list that I mentioned tonight is gonna come through for me. I really do. That's optimi- that's that's optimistic. Yeah, I don't make these lists uh without putting some weight behind them. But there's just no re I mean Okay, if I'm assuming of this players who won this generation, so I would say I think Djokovic has another one in him for sure. I think Rafa's got another one in him for sure. Um, 
Man, so 13 total guys? Shiza. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. We'll go with all 11. But then, final question, will any of them win a slam in 2020? So, I think the most likely first-time slam champ in 2020 is Team. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't count. And then, it would probably be Tsitsipas. Um, and, you know, Tsitsipas could win Australia if he keeps the trajectory up. I mean, he's like... He's, yeah, he's a good confidence player. He should have a lot of confidence from London after his restorative vacation to Oman. You know, he should have a lot of new energy and interesting stuff going on in his life. Yeah, I, I think that see, he could win Australia for sure. Why not? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. By the way, you yeah. can't change your opinion. No, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's that's yeah. what I'm just sort of saying. Like, yeah. I think that, not that he's my pick per se, but mm-hmm. like, you know, like, we got to start saying, yes, they can. And I think after Medvedev's run and after the World Tour Finals, I think the young guys are starting to believe more. Um, and I think that's one of the main things that was lacking in the quote-unquote Lost Boys generation suck generation was <laughs> the, uh, the, the just the belief. They just didn't think they were deserving of winning Grand Slams or didn't think they were ready to. And that was holding them back sometimes more than their tennis. Um so, yeah, so I, I hope that the belief is high with these young guys now. Yeah, look, I'm not a trickle-down type of guy, but I really do hope Medvedev's success trickles down to the rest of these players because you're right, a lot of it's confidence we've seen through their Masters results, all the various different things we've talked about. The skill is there, the talent is there. It's just so much of tennis is mental and waiting for uh, you know that side to meet up with the physical skills you have. And So hopefully the 2020s will be the decade where we see a bunch of breakthroughs. I, I don't know how many more years I can take of just – Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. I just, I need someone new so badly. Um, and I, you know, I haven't even been doing this as long as you have. So I, I imagine you must feel similarly on the men's side. But before we wrap, again, I mentioned all of your wonderful work uh, that you have done throughout the decade on behalf on, of all of us here at Crack Rackets. And I'm sure on behalf of some of, but not all of our fans and the ones who disagree, we'll tweet this to you directly, Ben. Uh, thank you for all of the work you have done to help grow our sport, to bring light to some of the lesser heralded stories and you know, the issues that people may not be aware of but are as instrumental to the game as the matches being played out themselves. Uh, I want to give you a chance because, again, no, I know you and Courtney have been busy on no challenges remaining, but for our listeners who want to read your stuff to get themselves ready for the 2020 season, what are you going to be up to up to, uh, through this home stretch up to January? Uh, I am working on a somewhat secret project that I will unveil i think in late january so i'm excited Ooh. for that uh, so it's been taking up a lot of my time and pushing back the recording date and hopefully anybody who doesn't like me did not listen to me talking for two hours <laughs> like themselves even more if that's the case um and yeah um i think uh yeah for, and also just thank you to you no. i was very excited to meet you in cincinnati i did not rec- i did not know what you looked like i don't think right away yeah uh, but i heard your voice if i could all access a our round table I was like oh, i know who that is really excited <laughs> and uh and your questions were great they were like notably better than most people's mm. and i was like wow this is like so i really hope this is me hoping that you are i see a lot more of you in 2020 mm. um because i think you are a tremendous addition to the game and you are like easily like a tier one pick for, <laughs> for tennis media in, in 2020 you are you are you could you could absolutely be what sinner is to reality um <laughs> in the in the media uh sphere so keep keep it up keep doing doing big things yeah i I really hope you uh do stick around because there's not you know american men not men's american tennis media 
male or female, not a, not a particularly deep bench all the time. Feels like a lot of times right now there hasn't really been the the, the next geners coming up to challenge me, who's sort of, sort of like the younger. I'm like the the chillich who want to slam. <laughs> not that I ever want to slam me wise, but like I'm like the chillich who hasn't had anybody come behind them yet, and that I sense. And, and so, but you're making moves to do that, and I I see that, respect that, you know, fear it a little bit in the right ways, and, and hope that you're uh, yeah you keep uh, doing well in the uh, years to come. I appreciate you saying that. my face right now matches your hair. Um, I really appreciate you saying that. You know that you means should get a lot. That checked out. Yeah. yeah, from one Michigan man to another, uh, it means that much more to me. But again, for our listeners, uh, Ben Rothenberg of the New York Times of Racket Magazine. Are you still writing piece? Can we expect a piece from you uh, yeah, in there? Hell yeah! I have I have two pieces in the last issue, which is the first time anybody's ever had two, and they're both really long. So. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> no, that's my sort of writing. I love to hear that. Well, again, Ben, thank you so much for two hours again. Uh, I think that part three of the trilogy lived up. I would say maybe not quite Dark Knight Rises, but certainly Matrix Revolutions level. There you go. I'll take it. <laughs> or maybe like Brady Bunch goes to the White House. <laughs> Drake and Josh becomes iCarly uh, is how I would say it in terms of that, Ricky Snow. But Ben, thank you so much. Take care. And again, anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome. Thank you, Alex, and best of luck to all of your other Alexes. Oh, thank you. Take care. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Ben talking about the next-gen ATP guys. It's the third year in a row we've done this. And, of course, I want to give another huge shout-out to Ben. I think in total the three podcasts were about two hours, maybe a little bit over. So you can tell, you know, when we recorded it, was all in one session. So really so appreciative for him because he's always so graceful, so kind with his time. So huge shout-out to him, and he's very kind to us at the end of the podcast as well. So really appreciate the kind words, Ben. Uh, but obviously, you know, such a fun time to have him to talk about these next-gen ATP guys because that's what these next 10 years really are going to be. Hopefully someone in this group, hopefully multiple players in this group, set up and step up and set the tone for 2020's tennis. In theory, in my mind, each decade tennis should improve. I joked about it on our cracked interview with Coach Shelton. You would really hope that players in the 2020s are better than players in the 1920s. You would hope you know players in the 2020s, even more immediate, are better than players were in the 2010s. Hopefully the uh, you know the upper echelons of tennis continue to push the realms higher and higher, and the game gets better and better and more advanced. And these players, again, well, I've said this repeatedly over multiple podcasts, but listen to the way Andre Rublev, listen to the way Felix Ogier-Aliassime, look at the way Bianca Andreescu, Naomi Osaka, Belinda Bencic strike the ball. There's a lot of young, talented players right now on both tours, so the game of tennis seems to be in really good hands. And of course, you know, again, huge shout out to Ben because we look forward to him and our coverage of this tennis over the next 10 years. And again, I, uh, I think this podcast is going to come out on December 30th. We are two days away from the new year and it feels like you know the tennis season just ended well a new season's about to be upon us and i hope you listeners are ready for that because we certainly are it should be a ton of fun on the gsp best of the decade note i think we're going to try and sneak in one more we didn't do any college focused episode college tennis being a big uh, big part of the game big things we are fans of here at cracked racket so it may be released after january 1st going to try and sneak in that episode as well of course it'll be the usual gang of misfits chris halioris matt stokowiak hopefully a few other 
others as well, given the topic we're discussing uh, in college tennis. So be on the lookout for that. On the mini break front this week, we've got a couple of player previews with Sal Katz, son of Andy Katz, of course, noted uh, college basketball as well as college tennis media personality. Uh, I believe we're talking Shapovalov and Anisimova. So uh, that'll be very funny. Listeners should know I am recording this outro on vacation with my family in Florida as well. So, you know, if I'm away from the mic for later on in the week, I do apologize for that. We should get things fully rolling and back on schedule next week where I will be in person at the Ann Arbor Challenger, an event I am very much looking forward to. But of course, if you've missed any of our off-season coverage, you need to get catch up on any best of the decade topic from the GSP, any of the cracked interviews we have done. You can find all of that on our website, crackedrackets.com. For the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know by now it's at Cracked Rackets, where to find our stuff. Huge shout out to these super producers, Max Flieger and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f- of an editing job, as always, and kept it real. all de- It's only been three years, but all decade long, I'll say they're the best super producers I've worked with. So definitely our winners for me of best of the decade production-wise. Uh, but with that in mind, again, huge thank you to Ben Rothenberg of the New York Times, where you can find all of his work as well as his work at Racket Magazine and, of course, his podcast with Courtney Nguyen, No Challenges Remaining, for uh, the work he did today for our super producers, Max Flagner, Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot, and we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.